0: Good morning, please sit down. You seem an awful lot further away from me than, than I'm accustomed to. I've lost a bit of the days. Um, let's just say a prayer for a minute, please. Heavenly Father, when the disciples needed you, you were there. so please be with us now. You spoke to them and offered them your peace. So please speak to us today and offer us your peace. In Jesus Christ's name, Amen. So, in the immediate aftermath of Jesus' death, the disciples are scared. They feel that every man's hand is against them. They're grieving for the loss of someone they loved very much. They feel like the bottom of their world has been kicked out. They're confused, uncertain, and they don't know what to do for the best. I'm sure we can identify with some, if not all, of those emotions. They can't stay hidden in the locked room forever. Who knows at what moment Roman soldiers may hammer on the door to take them in charge. Or the hostile crowd storm the building and drag them out. Should they split up and run for it? That would be the safest choice. Go back where they came from. Try to take up their old lives again. But how can they go back? In their their hometowns and villages, they're known. The authorities there know who they are, and they know what they've been doing for the last three years. Would they really be any safer? And in any case, could they just turn their backs on everything that they've experienced with Jesus, everything he's, he's taught them, everything he's said to them? So what's the alternative? Should they carry on doing what Jesus was doing, speaking, As he's spoken, after all, it's what he trained them for. But without him, go out there and talk to that crowd who are baying for his blood, who assented to his murder. Really? So what are they going to do? They can't stay where they are. They can't go forward. They can't go back. Have you ever felt like that? Damned if you do, damned if you don't? It's an agonizing decision. If only Jesus was still there. And then he was, right there in the midst of them. "'Peace be with you,' he said. If I was one of those disciples, I would be thinking, "'Peace? What do you mean, peace? "'What kind of peace is possible now? "'We're in the middle of a crisis here. "'Our world has been turned upside down. "'We're lost. We're scared. "'We're in the middle of a city, jam-packed, "'with people who would like to do us some serious harm. "'Does that sound like a peaceful situation to you?' I don't think so. Maybe Jesus doesn't fully appreciate the seriousness of their situation. What does he mean? Peace be with you. Those four words, they carry a wealth of meaning. They mean, I'm still here. I'm with you. I will never leave you. Remember all the things that I told you before. I will not leave you orphans I will come to you. I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The peace that Jesus is talking about is the peace of God. Not the kind of peace that the world can give, not the the outer peace that um, Toby mentioned, which boils down to a nice comfortable feeling of freedom from trouble. A rest at the end of the day, putting your feet up with a cup of tea. But it's a temporary feeling, it's precarious. Here today and gone tomorrow, a peace that lasts until some misguided zealot throws the next bomb or until the next financial crisis, or the next flood, or until the grandchildren come to visit again. (laughs) The peace that Jesus is talking about is irene. It's shalom. It doesn't mean a feeling of being free from trouble or affliction or grief or care. It does mean everything that makes for a person's highest good. It means inner satisfaction, It means serenity and contentment. It means fullness of life. It means having a character that is maturing into the image of God. And it means those things, whether we're in the midst of a crisis or not. Now, with that kind of peace going on inside us, what is there that we could not cope with? If God is with us, who can stand against us? Well, of course, in fact, lots of people will try to stand against us and make our lives jolly unpleasant while they do it. Jesus didn't promise the disciples, and he doesn't promise us, freedom from trouble or affliction. What he promises is the peace of God that doesn't come and go depending on the circumstances. Even in the midst of trouble, his peace is with us when we don't know what to do for the best. His peace is with us. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. If we take hold of that peace, and we do have to take hold of it because it's a gift, my peace I give you, and like any gift, you have to receive it, unpack it, use it in order for it to do any good. If we take hold of that peace, it won't change with our circumstances. It won't change our circumstances. It will change us. We can be calm and steadfast no matter what the external pressure. Look at Peter and the disciples in in that reading that Brenda gave us from Acts. They were preaching God's message in the temple and they were arrested and put in prison for it. And when they were released from prison, instead of heading for the hills like any sensible person would, they went straight back to the temple and did it again. And when they were arrested again and questioned by the Sanhedrin, they were calm and steadfast. We must obey God rather than men. Look at Stephen, even as he sank, bloodied and battered under the stones of the cursing mob, he still was able to offer up a prayer of love and forgiveness to his murderers for his murderers Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Look at Paul. Paul was was driven out of one city, he's dragged lifeless out of another. Well, almost lifeless, obviously. Stripped by robbers and arraigned before ruler after ruler. And yet he was still able to say, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Look at Jesus himself. On the night before he died, he knew what he was facing, and it was causing him great agony of mind. And yet he was still able to comfort his disciples. In the midst of mockers, haters, murderers, traitors, he remained calm and steadfast. When Pilate tried to intimidate him, he remained calm and steadfast. And on the cross itself, in his dying agony, he was able to offer comfort the thief on the cross next to his. Now that's the peace of God in operation. Jesus told the disciples, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Taking to themselves that peace, the disciples received the Holy Spirit. They stepped outside the locked room, they spoke to the crowd, they carried on Jesus' mission, and they had the strength to face the trials and tribulations that came their way. Now, Peter and Stephen and Paul and Jesus were facing troubles, the like of which I hope we never have to face. But we have our troubles too. We have to deal with grief, illness, conflict, uncertainty, difficult decisions. Even me, cheerful, smiley person that I am. I get into a state about things, and maybe my troubles seem a bit domestic, not amounting to much in the grand scheme of things, but they're not jolly trivial to me, and I don't suppose your troubles are trivial to you either. When we have this supernatural peace available to us, offered to us free, gratis, and for nothing, surely it makes sense to receive the gift, to make use of it. If we're feeling unhappy or uneasy, or we've got a difficult decision to make, The peace of God is there for us if we choose to avail ourselves of it. Paul said to the Colossians, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. What does he mean by that exactly? Let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Does it mean that we don't feel scared when something scary happens? Or we don't feel hurt when something hurtful happens? Or if we have to make a difficult decision, we have no doubts about that decision. I don't think that's the case. Jesus presumably had the peace of Christ in his heart, but when bad things happened to him, he felt them. He was upset. When he found the merchants misusing his father's temple, he was angry and upset. When he knew his agonizing death was hours away, he was upset. The peace of Christ ruling in our hearts means that feeling scared doesn't overwhelm us. Feeling hurt doesn't destroy us. Making a difficult decision doesn't tear us apart. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. So how do we take hold of Christ's peace how can we get beyond the feeling that our problems are overwhelming how can we get to the point where the peace of Christ rules in our hearts we can do it if we keep our focus fixed on Christ we need to keep our focus fixed on Christ Isaiah said, you will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. If we can stop in the midst of the maelstrom of life, in the midst of our problems, and deliberately take time to seek God, to talk to him, to read his word, to allow his Holy Spirit to guide us, that will keep our focus fixed on the person of Jesus Christ. We will take hold of his peace and let it rule in our hearts. It takes practice. It takes perseverance. But it's a condition of God's peace that we take time out to know him. He commands, be still and know that I am God. And to those whose minds are steadfastly fixed on him, He gives the gift of peace. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall guard your hearts and your minds in the love of Christ Jesus. Amen.